are now tuned in to the Storm Tracker Podcast. Welcome back to the Storm Tracker Podcast. I'm Marcus Benjamin, representing for CanesCounty.com, part of the Rivals.com network. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast on all platforms, the Storm Tracker Podcast. And today is our weekly segment, Scouting the Opponent. I've got Justin Ferber here joining me from CavsCorner.com, also part of the Rivals network. Thank you for joining me today, Justin. Absolutely. After watching that intro, I think we're going to have to step up the graphics for our own podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I I guess I set the bar pretty high. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Hopefully hopefully we can keep that bar high with the rest of this podcast here. But uh, of course, Miami, Virginia this weekend. And Miami is looking to build off a huge win, just like Virginia is. Virginia looking to build off a huge win over North Carolina. And these two teams, it's it's been a weird series. It's been kind of like back and forth uh, with these two teams. Um, One of the most, I guess, horrific memories for Miami fans is the 58. Well, I'm not, not sorry. 41 zero. Um, I think 48 zero. It was something big. It was zero. something to zero. Yeah. <laughs> as far as the last game at the Orange Bowl, which is, you know, something that just people try to erase. I'm pretty sure people are mad that I even brought that up. But um, as of late, uh, like, like I said, this has been a kind of a back and forth series and Virginia all of a sudden is high on their radar now that they've beaten Carolina. So from your perspective, Justin, what exactly happened in that game against Carolina for the Cavs to come out with a victory? Yeah, I mean, I was as surprised as as everybody else. <laughs> you know, we definitely all, in our podcast, we definitely all picked Carolina to win handily. Um, but yeah, I think a few things were working in their favor. I think for one, coming off of a bye week, uh, you know, gave them some time to do some self-scouting and get some things straight, especially with the running game, which which has improved in the last few weeks. But um, Carolina obviously coming off of a big win of their own, and maybe it was a bit of a letdown spot for them um, yeah. after beating Miami at home. And, you know, they were riding high going into the UVA game. But honestly, UVA just played a really clean game. I mean, they cut down on the penalties, and they, they left some stuff out there on the table for sure. I mean, they had two turnovers in the red zone that – kind of honestly kept North Carolina in the game late. Um, but ultimately, you know, they played a clean game. They ran the ball well. Um, their red zone defense has been a bit of an issue this year after it was quite good last year. Um, but against Carolina, they were able to hold them to, I think it was 10 points on three red zone trips, which is huge. Um, and then honestly, like Carolina probably didn't play their best. Uh, you know, Drake may completed 24 48 i think it was and they had a number of drops and uva just found ways to get off the field um when they needed to at times on third downs and i think carolina was pretty bad on third down in the game so they got off the field you know they won the field position battle um they cashed in in the red zone when they got there for the most part and then they held carolina from getting a bunch of big plays which is something they've you know done to everybody pretty much this year so it was just a recipe of you know things kind of falling into place for uva and Honestly, there's not, they've been close in a lot of the games they've, they've lost this year. Um, but I, I, I'd be lying to you if I said I saw it coming, you know, like, uh, there wasn't a whole lot of, uh, 
hype going into the game as far as like UVA turning a corner or something. It was more about are they going to cover the spread, right? But, you know, it just shows you any week, you never know what's going to happen. Right, exactly. I mean, it, it was definitely a shock for us down here in South Florida, especially because we just left Chapel Hill and, right. you know, North Carolina, top 10 team and all the analysts everywhere were like, okay, so it's going to be Carolina and FSU in the ACC right. title game. And then all of a sudden we look up at the scoreboard and Virginia is beating North Carolina. It was tough for Miami to stop Drake May in the game up in Ch Chapel Hill. So what did the Cavaliers do to stop May in that game? Yeah, I mean, I think he had some success I think Carolina got off to a little bit of a slow start and then he had some success through the middle part of the game. And then at the end of the game, they, they did a nice job of getting off the field when they needed to. But honestly, I, I want to give a lot of credit to the secondary for just kind of not losing guys. I mean, that's something that UVA has struggled with at times and Carolina has really like, you know, taken teams to task. If you make mistakes on the back end, especially now that they have Tez Walker back, um, you know, it's just so many weapons and UVA just didn't let a, a lot of guys get loose and, and make big plays. And then, you know, they were able to sort of make a few plays of their own in the secondary. And then at the end of the game, it really came down to just getting pressure on a couple of plays and, and forcing Aaron throws, including the game ceiling interception. But um, yeah, and I, I honestly think Carolina probably could have ran the ball a little bit more. Uh, I think they ran it like 19 times with Hampton and threw the ball like almost 50. Um and they were running the ball for a pretty good clip. I think it was like five yards a carry. So um, they got a little pass happy. And then, you know, when you get pass happy, sometimes on first down and, you know, first and 10, second and 10, you get in a lot of passing situations on third and 10, you know, third and long. And I think UVA just was able to get off the field on enough of those to, to win the game. Did they run any tempo at all? Because that's, that's kind of what killed Miami. Mm -hmm. They did. Uh, they, they mixed it up. UVA actually did the same thing where it's like tempo – sort of strategically you know it's not every single like oregon you know like every play we're gonna go fast um but yeah i mean they would mix it up um and uva did a pretty good job with that i think maybe it helps that they've played quite a few offenses this year that have wanted to to pick up the pace um and and honestly that's where i kind of feel like maybe they could have ran the ball a little bit more because uva's defense felt pretty fresh down the stretch honestly and and if you look at the time of possession numbers uva I think a lot of credit goes to their running yeah. game for kind of keeping the defense fresh throughout the game. Yeah, that, that was kind of the staggering stat for me when I looked at the game. I was like, wow, so they really controlled the clock here. So mm -hmm. if Miami wants to come out with a victory here, they have to do the same. <laughs> they have to kind of stop Virginia from controlling the clock and control the football themselves. Um, but you you mentioned that they did a great job on, on, on getting off the field on third down. Was it their pass defense that really kind of caused them to uh, get Carolina off field on third down, or were they putting them in, in third and long in situations? How were they able to kind of shut them down as far as third down is concerned? Yeah, I think it was a combination of factors. I think the pass defense did a nice job of kind of hanging on. Obviously, May missed a few throws, and and you know if he plays an A game, I don't think anybody's really beating them in the ACC except for maybe Florida State at this point. So um, he certainly left a few out there, and he had some drops as well. But yeah, the defense just kind of when they were in these obvious passing situations, they made enough plays in you know down the field, you know playing the ball, not picking up penalties. Um, you know, for pass interference and holding and stuff like that and just found a way to get off the field um, enough. I mean, they, they gave up a few third downs here and there and some big plays, but 
Carolina wasn't able to really sustain it. And I, it was certainly the best game that UVA secondary has played this year, considering the talent of the opponent. And UVA just has been decimated by injuries, especially on the defensive side of the ball this year. And they've had some tough luck with that. But the, the younger guys that had to kind of step up and play, they did a much better job against Carolina's receivers than I think anybody would have anticipated. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what stuck out to me as well. I feel like, okay, well, this this defensive backfield is is legit. But Miami, Miami's been, you know, kind of, I mean, compared to North Carolina, they've had one of the best offenses in the ACC. And mm-hmm. they can run it and they can throw it. Um, but you know how it is with, with football, right? If you can run the ball, you can pretty much do whatever you want, kind of, so to speak, if you can control the line of scrimmage. Miami's been really good in that respect as far as rushing uh, stats are concerned. Do you think Virginia will be able to control Miami's running game? Yeah, I think they can have success at times. I think Miami will probably get the better of them at times as well. It, it just depends on – I think the big thing will be like how fresh like, – like I said, against North Carolina, they were fresh down the stretch and able to sort of bottle up the run, and they did a pretty good job when Carolina tried to run the ball on first and second down. Um, late in the game, especially they did a lot of horizontal stuff with receivers and things like that to try to, you know, mix things up. And, and UVA did a good job with that. And and they've done OK against the run at times. Um, they've also had some games where they kind of got gashed on the ground and were out of, you know, not in the right gaps and things like that. And um, they have a freshman linebacker, Cam Robinson, who's who's really shining lately. And he's been playing a lot and he's been doing a good job against the run and kind of flying around and making plays. So I think they're getting better in that respect. My, my concern would be just if, if Miami is able to just kind of wear them down and um, you know, North Carolina is, is pretty good in the trenches on both sides, but Miami is always a challenge um, from like an athleticism standpoint up front for a team like UVA. And I remember last year is the same kind of thing. I think Brandon Armstrong got sacked a bunch of times and UVA couldn't get touchdowns in the red zone and short yardage situations. And, um, Miami wasn't able to really run the ball in that game, but that was a different Miami team. So I, I would expect them to have some success and UVA's ability to maybe like hold that success to yards and not points might determine like how, how well they kind of stick with the Canes. Yeah, I agree. If you didn't, if we are not looking at the game right now and that, that game didn't happen and I would think, okay, well, Miami has a really great shot to win this game because last year they were, they were holding on to, to tooth and nail with that game. Uh, I think it went into four overtimes. Terrible, Terrible game. <laughs> if you remember, <laughs> it was it was one of those games that was exciting, but you know the the build up to it was kind of an eyesore. Let's mm-hmm. let's just be honest. <laughs> um, but but uh, Virginia has has been with a new quarterback. You know, uh, Tony Musket. I mean, they had him uh, i believe towards the beginning of the season and then they they inserted calandria who were really familiar with down here by the way because he went to lakewood high school i loved him as a high school yeah. prospect prospect and he's a little undersized but you know i just thought he was very savvy and had some moxie to him uh, but now tony musket is back into the fold so if you can just you know share your thoughts on on musket and kind of what he brings yeah i mean he's a guy that has a lot of experience um sort of the opposite of Calandria in that respect. I think a lot of what they do is similar. You know, the offense didn't really change when Calandria came in, but um, Musket played a lot of football at Monmouth, which is obviously a different level, but a lot of, he's seen a lot of things, right? And um, 
he's a mature guy. You can just tell he has pretty good command of the locker room and the, you know, the huddle and um, a well-respected guy. And he, he can move around. I think that was one of the big X factors in the Carolina win that we hadn't really seen from either UVA quarterback so far this year was the ability to run the ball. And they ended up running a lot of design quarterback runs for him. And he ended up with, I think, 66 rushing yards on 12 carries or something like that and made a few big short yardage plays. But um, ultimately, he's a guy, he's got moxie. I mean, he might not be the most talented quarterback Miami's going to face this year, but he can move the chains and can make the throws. Um, I think, honestly, he's one of those guys where you're like, how did he end up at Monmouth? From like an arm talent standpoint, he's like really better than that. Um, right. And, and I think he's at the right level for for who he is. And, and you know, unfortunately, his season kind of got derailed by the injury against Tennessee in the opener. Um and, you know, he's he's worked his way back from the shoulder injury and he's playing hurt, um, but it's his non-throwing shoulder so he can get out there. But I mean, I've been pretty impressed with what he's done to this point in three games, I guess it's been um, three full games, three and a half games, something like that. Um, so I, I think he can move the ball and he's capable of leading them to wins like they had on Saturday. I don't know that he's going to go out and win a game by himself throwing for 450 yards, but He's definitely like a ACC level quarterback that can make some plays. Yeah, he had twelve carries for sixty six yards, including a long of twenty. Mm-hmm. Is he a legitimate threat to to run the football, or were these just gaffes by North Carolina's defense? I think Miami will be prepared for this, just because they put it on tape now, um, and they did run the ball a little bit, you know, against William and Mary when he came back from the injury and. Um, you know, he would scramble around and do some stuff, but ultimately what we saw from him earlier in the season, especially in the opener against Tennessee was more sticking in the pocket and, and doing his thing. But I I was talking to uh, UVA's offensive coordinator at one of the like pre-camp media availabilities. And he was saying they didn't even realize how good of a runner musket was until he got to grounds just because at Monmouth, they didn't ask him to do it. Um, Mm -hmm. but he can, he can move around. Um, I would say they're going to run some quarterback design stuff for him, but, you know, he's also not Johnny Manziel. He's not going to be out there, you know, running for 150 yards or anything like that. Um, but I, I would expect that Miami, now that UVA did it so much against Carolina, I would expect that they're going to be re- prepared for, you know, draws and keepers and read option stuff that they're going to probably try to run again this weekend. Yeah, not only Musket, uh, you had three other running backs who had double-digit carries in this mm-hmm. one. So it's, it's not just Musket. You got uh, Paris Jones, Mike Collins, and Kobe Pace who are are running the ball with you know with some efficiency. Uh, the the group all together, four point two yards per carry, and I imagine that is probably ultimately the difference in this game against Carolina, considering the time of possession in this game which was heavily favored towards the Cavaliers what what can you say about this running game and how have you seen it kind of develop uh this season I think the big development on Saturday at Carolina was the offensive line I mean I'm watching the highlights right now like the you know Tony Elliott after the game said you know the offensive line was playing on their side of the line of scrimmage and and to be frank like they just haven't been that good over the last year and a half. Just like a lot of that is attrition guys get transferring to places like USC and Michigan and places like that and, and not being able to backfill them with guys that are a, that level of, you know, talent and experience. And um, they have a younger group and, they, and they've been sort of mixing it up, but I thought that they, they found something on Saturday and we'll see. I mean, it's one game against a good team. 
So maybe it's a sign of like they're getting things going with the ground game and they're going to be able to turn things around, or maybe it's an aberration. Um, and this game, I think, against a, a good Miami front will will tell us a lot. But as far as the running backs are concerned, I mean, you have they do have a number of guys that can come in and do stuff. Um, Paris Jones is more of a pass catching running back, but he's quick. Uh, he, he moves really well, and and he always is like where he needs to be. He's just really solid. And um, Mike Collins is a good you know short yardage guy that they'll lean on. Um, and you know, he had three touchdowns on Saturday and then Kobe pace is sort of a blend of the two. He's a transfer from Clemson, um, who can catch the ball out of the backfield. And he is sort of a power back option as well. And, and I would say like they ride the hot hand, but they do, they do mix it up quite a bit. I mean, they'll, they'll, all three guys will, like you said, on Saturday, all three guys had 10 plus carries. So I would expect to see something similar this weekend. We'll see if Miami can stop that running game of the Cavaliers. Um, What the coaches really kind of talked about with UVA on the other side of the ball is the fact that Virginia brings a lot of pressure. Um, So what have you seen from this Cavalier defense as far as bringing pressure? And should Miami be concerned with uh, the amount of guys that they're going to bring in the passing game? Yeah, so – it's actually interesting because last year and early this year, John Rodzinski, UVA's defensive coordinator, uh, played, I wouldn't say like a vanilla scheme, but they didn't blitz much. They would just kind of sit back. And and I think part of the reason they had success was they were dropping so many guys and then they were able to sort of get pressure with their front when they needed to and get off the field. And then they had two really good corners. One that transferred to Florida state was like the guy, top guy in the portal this year. Um, and that helps. And, and this year they have kind of new guys in the back end of the defense. So, um, they've had to be a little bit more creative up front, creating pressure and getting there quicker because to be honest, they've had so many injuries across the defense that, you know, on the front, like they're not able to get as much pressure as they did last year. So they're having to bring extra guys and they also just don't have the time in the back end to, to cover, um, with the group that they have now. So they have to sort of get more aggressive. And, and that's something that I feel like that turned around the third game or so of this year. Um, they started to kind of bring more pressure. And I think they got after uh, Brendan Armstrong when they played NC State pretty good. And and since then, they've tried to, you know, get after the quarterback. But I would say, honestly, if you look at the stats, like they, they haven't created a ton of sacks. Um, yeah. I, I'd say maybe against more of a pocket-style quarterback, there might be more upside for sacks. But, I mean, their leading uh, guy on in sacks right now is a guy that's been out. He's out for the season and has been out for half the season already. So, like, I, I mean, that kind of speaks to – how little pressure they've gotten, but yeah. I think if they can get pressure with their front, that helps them, you know, kind of drop more guys, but they've just had a tr- you know, trouble doing that. So they've had to get a little bit more exotic with the blitzes that they've brought. Now I do know that North Carolina and Virginia are rivals, right? Yep. I mean, these are rival schools. So I would imagine that North Carolina wouldn't look over, I guess, a team like Virginia mm-hmm. with this, when that Virginia was able to pick up, do you think partially to credit was the fact that North Carolina maybe looked over a team like Virginia? Oh yeah, I think so. I think, I mean, I think if you look at a team's record, regardless of whether it's a rival or not, and they're one in five, I think it's easy to kind of say like, all right guys, like, you know, regroup, get to the next week. And then everybody's talking about how good you are all week, you know, after you beat Miami, um, (laughs) And, you know, I, I think it's easy to sort of do that. And to be honest with you, like this is something that North Carolina does every year. It feels like they, right. they, they have a good start or they get ranked or they, you know, win a big game and then they have a letdown. I remember, 
I don't remember if it was last year or the year before, but Georgia Tech beat them when Georgia Tech was terrible. And they had, I think it was when they had Sam Howell. And it was just like out of nowhere. And it's like, well, this is kind of just what they do sometimes. And um, UVA actually, when Bronco Mendenhall was here, kind of had their way with North Carolina um, and won, a, won against them most of the time. Uh, and, uh, you know, last year the game was close in Charlottesville too. So I'm not saying they should have overlooked UVA, but I think, you know, UVA was definitely the more focused team. And, and they just, UVA's had a lot of like last minute losses, let down plays not being able to finish games. And, and I, you know, they deserve a lot of credit for playing 60 full minutes because Carolina UVA took the lead in the fourth quarter and Carolina had two drives to go take the lead and win the game. And they couldn't do it on either one. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was going to ask that too about late game situations because you know, Miami's had trouble with that. I'm pretty sure that's well documented. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but when I look at all these scores, uh, uh, close game against uh, James Madison, uh, close game against Boston College, uh, you know, relatively, I guess, closer than the experts thought against Will, Will, William and Mary. Uh, but this game, uh, in a late game situation, they were able to get, you know, a touchdown late, um, and they were able to get, um, although, that, like you said, they if it wasn't for a fumble, like, right at the end zone, uh, they probably would have extended uh, the yeah. lead, but you know, that they're able to kind of pull that game out. So how, how is Coach Elliott when it comes to late game situations? Uh, I mean, opinion? like, I would say the results have been mixed at best to this point. I mean, obviously what they did on Saturday is is pretty remarkable and something that, you know, they haven't been able to do to this point. But some of the things, though, I mean, like, I don't want to put it all on him. I mean, he can't go out and make plays. And if you just go through, like, their games this season, you know, Tennessee, they got blown out. JMU, they were up by 11 in the fourth quarter, and then there was a rain delay. And after the rain delay, JMU scored two touchdowns and won the game in the last like 10 minutes. So, I mean, obviously, you got to get stops, but like the their momentum in that game was like completely taken away by the delay. Even the Maryland game, I mean, you look right. at the score and it looks like they got blown out, but it was 21 14 in the fourth, and UVA had the ball at the Maryland 10. So, I mean, like they had a chance to tie that game in the fourth quarter. Um, NC State, they tie the game up with 30 seconds to go and then committed an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty when Calandria accidentally took his helmet off, basically. Um, <laughs> and then so that set up NC State to go kick the game winning field goal because they had to kick off from their own 15 or whatever it is. Um, <laughs> and, you know, that's yeah. the kind of stuff like you can't really put that on the coaches like that's just, you know, that's just an unfortunate right. situation. And and then BC, you know, they were up 14 in that game and lost um a close one and then you know Wayman Mary they did a good job closing that one out but that's William and Mary you know you kind of expect them to do that um right this game you know I was watching it we were texting you know texting people watching the game talking about it and everybody was kind of expecting like all right here's where they're gonna pull the rug out from underneath of us and and get the win <laughs> you know North Carolina is gonna go get the win and um right. nobody's gonna remember this game but you know they made the plays they needed to make like to, to win the to seal the game you know they had to get a basically a pressure and then Drake may through an interception. And um, right. that's two guys making a play um, the drive before that, when they got the stop on fourth down in the red zone, there were a couple plays made there. And um, you know, they, they're a couple plays away from being, I think they're probably more like a three and four team or three, I guess three. Yeah. Then, then two and five, you know, I think I'm not saying you can flip all the close games that they've had to wins, but, they've probably had some unlucky losses and, and some of that self-inflicted, like I said, those penalties, 
you know, the JMU game, they certainly left some stuff out on the field, but you know, ultimately yeah. it was good to see them kind of come through, especially in a game like this where nobody really expected them to. Now let's, let's fast forward to Saturday, right? Um, Miami from when I first saw this game, as far as the line is concerned, it was 18. It's gone up to 19. When Miami's favored heavily, it usually doesn't turn out that way. They were heavily favored like this against Georgia Tech. And we know how that game turned out. Right. Um, and like you said, this team probably not really a two and five team, but you know, when it comes to Vegas, I'm pretty sure it comes to, you know, hey, this team's two and five and this team's five and two. So and they're at home. So let's, you know, put the or or create the spread this much or whatnot. But when it's all said and done on Saturday night evening, I guess you could say. How do you think this game turns out? Do you think uh, Virginia goes back to back with upsets or Miami kind of squeaks out another one or is it on par with what the experts think? Yeah. I mean, I think it, it's really interesting to see like where these two teams are in this game mentally. I mean, you have UVA coming off of their biggest win in years and, you know, like kind of a breakthrough moment for a team that's they've been through a lot to be frank in the last year and, um, it was really good to see them get that, but they haven't handled success. And it'll be interesting to see how they mentally prepare for this game. It's another big game for them on the road. So I think they'll be up for it. Um, it's just a question of like how focused they can be and if, if there's any letdown. Yeah. And then Miami is sort of in the same boat, right? I mean, they they just went out and beat Clemson in a really hard fought double overtime game. And, um, yeah. you know, it, it kind of overcame the two losses that they had and, and it seems like they're back on track and I'm sure they feel pretty good about where they are going into this one. And um, I think in a way it might help Miami that UVA beat Carolina kind of refocuses them maybe a little bit. Um, and also like, you Absolutely. know, the fact that last year's game was close and they already had the Georgia tech game. So it's kind of like, it'll be, you know, they know they can't really overlook anybody right now. So right. Um, I think UVA will compete. Um, I'm not going to pick them to win this game, uh, but yeah, I think that they can compete. If they can run the ball, then I think it can be one of the games kind of like it was on Saturday, maybe not as high scoring where it's like they can kind of hang within a possession and make it interesting. And then maybe you make a few plays at the end to give yourself a chance. But ultimately, I, th I think with Van Dyke back for Miami, um, that raises the ceiling for them and, uh, you know, being at home. And I, I just think up front, it's going to be a really tough challenge for UVA's lines on both sides. And I think that's where Miami can sort of yeah. – uh, create pressure on defense and, you know, get stops in the running game. And then also on the other side of the ball, um, you know, maybe mitigate any pressure that UVA is bringing and, and sort of string long drives together. But I like Miami to win it, but I, I think UVA covers, I think Miami wins by 10 to 14, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm totally on the same wavelength with you, Justin. Uh, I, I think this is uh, going to be a battle. I think Virginia's kind of found something. They found a way to win, you know? So I think when a team finds a way to win, they, they're like, okay, well, we need to do these things to, to get a win. And I think they're, they'll be focused. They'll be up for Miami, just like most teams are. Um, and Miami, on the other hand, like you said, I think it's a blessing for them that, Virginia did beat North Carolina and, and, you know, Miami's, you know, probably ticked off that they couldn't come up with a victory in Chapel Hill, but Virginia did. And so they're like, okay, well, we, we definitely have to come up with their A game because this team beat a team we couldn't. So 
yeah, I, I think Miami does have uh, an advantage in the trenches, and and that's what I've been impressed with with Miami um, pretty much all year is just their ability to kind of control the line of scrimmage in, in every game. Uh, I think in the two games that they lost, Tyler Van Dyke throws three interceptions against Georgia Tech. He has uh, two interceptions and a fumble you know, was which was I kind of, I guess, on the center, the fumble was. So you take away those turnovers, and maybe this team could be undefeated. Who knows? But um, those were definitely critical. It wasn't really that the other team was dominating them up front. So I think Miami has to do what you're always supposed to do in a football game, and that's not turn the ball over. And if they don't do that, then I think they have a really good chance of winning Making the spread, uh, I expect Virginia to fight. You know, I expect Virginia to fight pretty hard in this one and to make it somewhat close. And I totally agree with you. I think it's a 10 to 14 end result uh, for for the Hurricanes. Now we go into basketball season. Before I let you go, uh, I just wanted to ask you real quick, uh, what what do you think about uh, – the, the Cavs chances. I mean, these two teams were co-ACC champs uh, last year. Miami and the and Virginia was. Um, I don't know if you had a chance to really kind of see the Virginia hoop squad so far, but uh, what do you think of the Cavs, uh, you know, maybe repeating as ACC champs? Yeah, I think the expectations will probably be a little lower for this team just because they've had a lot of turnover but i mean i think that's more common now in college basketball you're gonna have rosters i mean look at miami like you'll have a completely different team one year to the next but you can still be good if you have good players and good coaches so i think they might be a little better than people think um i think their transfers are probably gonna have a, a pretty big impact and they have some young guys that they played last year but they had they weren't leaned on to be the guys and i think they're gonna take the next step and that's tony bennett's really good at developing players from year one and two to year two and three um, so I think they're going to take that step. And honestly, their ACC schedule is pretty forgiving in the first half. I think they get Miami pretty late, um, but I can't, I might be wrong about that, but <laughs> I think that's what it is. And I know Miami's going to be good and I expect Duke and Carolina to be good, of course, but yeah, I think they'll probably get picked around fourth in the preseason poll. And then I think they'll probably end up a spot or two above that. I would say like, I think, second, third. I mean, maybe they challenge. UVA has a tendency to win more games than people think just because, you know, the way they play defense on a night-in, night-out basis, sometimes, some teams just aren't up for that. Um, and they'll win a few more games than maybe they should because of that. But, um, yeah, I think, like, top three, I would say. Yeah, I, I think the same. I think both of these programs are very similar. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they, they have a focus on defense. Uh, they have a couple of playmakers here and there. I think Miami – last year had just way more playmakers than they real than they realized or how then they didn't realize how good their playmakers were on the team and that's why they were able to kind of make a run there uh, with their defense as their kind of base so uh i expect virginia to you know be up there along with miami should be a fun season they don't play until february uh yeah, so to, is yeah. is their first game and that is in charlottesville yeah, UVA is a bit of a backloaded schedule. They play Carolina and Duke like in the last two weeks of the season, but ultimately, like I think they have a chance to get rolling because their early ACC schedule is not too bad. Um, it's just a matter of like, can they? F- I think right now, like the thing is like figuring out the lineups because 
they have like seven or eight different guys that could start and it takes Tony usually a little while to kind of tinker with things, but I think they will be good. And obviously I expect Miami to be quite good as well. So I'm sure that game will be a good one when they finally get together. Yeah. Maybe we can get together for that one as well. Justin Ferber joining me from CavsCorner.com, part of the rivals network. Thank you for joining me today. And uh, are you going to be in uh, Miami for the game? I will not. No, no trip to Miami this year, unfortunately. Um, okay. Haven't been since the Orange Bowl when they played Florida in 2019, but definitely try to get back there the next time they play. All right, definitely. Well, uh, hopefully, we'll, like I said, we'll see each other again at some point. Thank you again for joining me on the Storm Tracker Podcast. Anytime. Make sure you follow the Storm Tracker Podcast on all platforms. Also, follow this uh, YouTube channel live from Canes County. Also, make sure you subscribe to the website, canescounty.com, for more information on Miami athletics. Until the next episode.